different strokes for different folks. Hi, I'm Beck from Be Free Emotional Fitness Training, and I support women and girls to become emotionally stronger. And I'm Vern from Move Forward Mentoring, and I specialize in male mentoring, helping boys and men find their passion, speak from their heart, and build better relationships. And together we are Rekindling Relationships. We work with couples through mentoring sessions, as well as facilitating communication and creative workshops to build deeper connections. Welcome to our podcast designed to help you strengthen and bring more fun into your partnership, as well as create a more loving, healthy and strong connection. Now the world don't move to the beat of just one drum. What might be right for you may not be right for some. everyone hey everyone so we were rocking out to that theme song what a great show that was back in the day it's quite a quite an interesting one this you know old white guy who's adopted these two young black kids from harlem and yeah it was a very strange show at the time but it was really good and it was all about how different they were yeah, yeah yeah one was poor and black that one was rich and white you know the different strokes and i love saying different strokes for different folks that's like one of my little things I say all the time. You do, actually. I love how they made it work, though. So they were so different. Such a united little family, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And there was a accepting of each other's differences, which I think is a really important part, isn't it? Yeah. We all are so very different and we have different styles in the way we do things. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's about how do we manage our different styles and our different ways of being in the world? That's right. How do we not make the other person wrong and us right just because we are different and our upbringings are very different and our way of doing things in the world is very different. Yeah, and we might have different values and different priorities. So we also have different love languages, don't we? Yeah. And that's something which we've spoken about before and have done a whole podcast just on love languages. But if you have different love languages and you have to work to find a way to meet your partner's love language to help fill their love tank. And to understand it. And it's an effort to do your partner's love language to your partner if it's not your love language. Mm. You know, it takes a bit of work, doesn't it? Because it doesn't come naturally. No, if you don't have the same love language, you have to actually speak the other person's love language, you learn their dialect, you learn their language. So it's like that, speaking another language. Yeah, so that they actually feel like they're loved. If you don't do that, then whatever you're doing is making you feel loved rather than them feel loved. So it's about working through to find out what each other's love language and what each other's style is. Lots of conversations. Yeah, there's always a conversation. I think we bang on about that, don't we? We love talking have a about love. Have a conversation. Well, at the end of the day, if you're not talking about things, then nothing changes, does it? That's right. It's just you're just sitting there waiting for something to happen or hoping something might happen. Yeah, it's probably not going to work. Another thing that uh, can come up for couples, and we found this with a couple we worked with, was that you can have quite different schedules. One can be like a night owl. 
mm. and the other one's an early bird and then that can create problems because you feel like you don't get time together or you're just on such a different schedule that it's like you're doing shift work yeah. you're both on different shifts and because you're both on different shifts and you don't get to see each other then the relationship suffers doesn't it that's right i think when we first met i was so used to being a bit of a night owl and i would get up pretty early anyway i'd get up at seven to get the kids off to school but i would regularly stay up till 11 12 o'clock at night because that's when i thought i did the best work i would just work at that time when we met you were someone who was getting up at 6 a.m and what time are you going to bed yeah probably go to bed about 10 yeah about 10 o'clock i like going to bed so it could have even been earlier (laughs) you know we weren't too different in time so it just meant that i started going to bed earlier and I guess you know I had you in bed so there's definitely incentive to go to bed earlier (laughs) and then you've convinced me that we should be getting up early and going for walks and doing exercise early in the morning so that sort of changed I've adapted my way of doing things to be more like how you do it and that means we get to spend more time together. And I think I actually stay in bed a little bit later than I normally would have too. So we've kind of met a little bit more in the middle where I'll go to bed a little bit later because I get up that fraction later. Yeah. You know, you might go to bed that little bit earlier, but you're getting up slightly earlier, you know, within an hour or half an hour or something. But it's probably become a little bit more balanced. Yeah. So definitely a way more balanced now. Yeah. And I know it's that... it's hard to get out of bed in the morning when you're in the bed too. Because <laughs> you're like a cuddle. It's nice and warm it's and cosy and language of physical touch (laughs) another one could be difference between people who are extroverted or introverted yeah that's a big one and you have an extroverted person who wants to go out and go to parties and meet people and go down the pub and have all these social interactions but their partner is an introvert and rather be at home and rather have time at home then there's got to be some way to meet each other so we're not spending all our time separate doing our own things where maybe the introvert has to accept, oh, okay, maybe occasionally I have to go out. Mm. And there's a conversation about that and the extrovert realises, oh, okay, this person doesn't do things the same way as me. Mm. That's probably one I've noticed the biggest in with couples is that you'll have one's extroverted and one's introverted because if you get two extroverts together, that doesn't always seem to be so common does it you don't seem to get two really big personalities together so this seems to be one that i have observed more where your opposites attract Hmm. a little bit more yeah and not always extreme is is that because the extrovert helps the introvert come out of their shell more and the introvert helps the extrovert being maybe a little bit more grounded a bit more. i think so yeah i think there's that that beauty in that when you're so quite different you can kind of challenge each other a little bit too can't you an extrovert is perception as well because in your group you probably be seen as the most extroverted Mm. and i'm definitely seen as an extroverted person but when we're together then you're definitely yeah you definitely seem like the more extroverted of the two of us even though when we're together we can be quite loud and you know laugh loud and do all those things but you definitely are much more introverted when we're together. Yeah, and a group of my friends said that the other day when we had coffee, they were like, we were talking about our workshops and I was like, oh, you know, Vern entertains them and is, you know, all silly and loud. And they're like, oh, my goodness, someone louder than you. But I do seem really quiet in that space, don't I? (laughs) You do. Next to you. (laughs) (laughs) But it still works, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The thing is, I guess with styles, is you're never making the other person wrong, are you? It's never, oh, well, you should be more like me or you should be more like this. I think that's the key. It's accepting each other's differences. If they're not causing a problem, then it's accepting the person for who they are Mm. 
and embracing who they are and letting them be who they are. How about humour? Differences in humour. Yeah, that's it. That's a good one. Okay, tell me about that for you. Yeah, if you don't have the same sense of humour, that can be hard because you're constantly throwing out a gag or a joke and and if they don't get it, then you're kind of explaining yourself or you're always apologising. Because <laughs> <laughs> so they're taking like, it this, wrong. This actually sounds like something you've had to put up with. Yeah, yeah. Go on, tell me about that. I don't think it's been like a huge issue, but I don't think anyone's met me entirely on the level of sense of humour that I have, where I'm sometimes feeling like I'm offending them. I just say whatever gag comes out and I know I can do that with you and you don't get offended. No. I don't have to say, oh, I'm joking, I'm joking. Yeah, you get that. I always (laughs) get that you're joking. And the good thing for me, because I can be quite crass, I guess, I I just say whatever's on my mind. Yeah, which is funny. And you love it. And I know you love it because you probably come from (laughs) a background. I think it makes you do it more. It does. It actually, it's like, oh, (laughs) I can take the the piss out of anything (laughs) I want (laughs) because she loves it. You've got a great sense of humour. I actually think it's because your background is that things were quite conservative and you wouldn't joke about a whole range of things Mm. so now I keep on pushing like the edge of what can be said I think in some ways it's a bit shocking for you but shocking in a really funny good way because you're like oh yeah Yeah. so looking listening to Ricky Gervais sometimes oh it's so funny so wrong but so funny yeah yeah and that has been a problem in the past where I feel like you have offended the person because you've said a joke and you've got to like then explain the joke oh it's just joking that's hard work (laughs) that is hard work (laughs) How about different styles of communicating? Like some people mm, are really good at communicating and I would say that, you know, when I run men's circles, one thing that comes up with men is that your partner wants to talk about stuff all the time and they really don't. It's not their way of having a conversation. They don't want to be talking about emotions. Definitely not late at night, in bed, when they're tired. They don't want to be having these long conversations. They feel that they don't need to be communicating as much. Their partner probably wants him to communicate more. So there seems to be a, a mismatch there. Beck's given me this look, which is like, she's not completely convinced. So I might keep going. So <laughs> <laughs> explain yourself, Vern. <laughs> Oh, I was just thinking that I don't want to generalise that all people that identify as male don't want to talk about their feelings because some are okay with that. They're okay with having a chat and some people that identify as female can do the shutdown stonewalling and that's pretty common for women. That blocks that communication. So I don't like to generalise that either. Uh, no, fair enough. I'm, I'm yeah. speaking from my my own experience of being in that space yeah. and hearing uh, men talk about it. But you're right, it can mm. happen from either side mm. and it is really about being able to have an open line of communication, have a dialogue and and not a monologue. Mm. So not one person who's just like, oh, blah, 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 blah. And the other person switched off or, you know, one person stonewalling and the other one's trying to get them to talk because that can make things really difficult. What would you suggest for people that find themselves in that situation where their communication styles are very different? That's a really tricky one. I think that when you say, well, let's have a conversation about it, then let's have a conversation about how we have a conversation. That might not go anywhere because it could be that one person just doesn't get the way the other person thinks. It might just be that one person has never grown up in a family that expresses themselves and talks about what's going on for them and the other one has. When you have those different upbringings, then what do you do? They might not have learnt a different communication style. They've just observed one style of communicating. Mm. So it's like the love language, isn't it, where you've got to learn the other person's, their style of being. Mm. And the style, style of communicating. Yeah, 
love. It's the same with communicating, isn't it? You've got to kind of learn their language, their way of communicating. And if you come from a family where the, generally the only way of communicating was people yelling at each other, then that's the norm for well, it's you. Gonna, well, it's either going to shut you down or that's how you do things. You, you yell. Yeah. yeah. I guess there's a healthy way, isn't that? And that might be the middle ground. In that healthy having conversations with each other and learning each other's stories, you might be able to find out, oh, that's how you communicate it. Maybe then there's a conversation. Is how did your family communicate with each other when you were young? Because then there's an understanding. That's there's a great more, question. Yeah, there's more yeah. empathy about, oh, you were like, your family is like that. Mm. Like I know personally in my family, so my parents separated when I was probably nine or ten and I don't remember much before then. But I do remember living with my mum who was wonderful, single mum, taking care of two boys. But it was hard work. Like she was working, mm. you know, at least two jobs mm. and she was working really hard to keep food on the table but she was very reactive so whenever there was a disagreement it turned into an argument and it turned into conflict and that was exhausting where I got the point where oh yes the way we communicate is conflict or I would like shut down avoid get away from there so that become my way of doing things Mm. and I think I brought that into relationships because that was the way I communicated and it's taken years for me to realize that when I operate from the present moment and not from the past then I don't need to act like that I don't need to bring that in with me I can actually say, oh, we're just having a conversation and there doesn't need to be conflict. That's a great point because I think I bang on about this a fair bit. So Vern's probably heard me say this. But <laughs> heard what? <laughs> I shut down when you start talking. So. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> You know, we taught so much stuff at school that we really don't use in in our life. And one of the things we're not taught is how to be in a relationship, how to communicate properly and how to hold a relationship. And most of us, majority of us, have had a pretty crap example Mm. set for us of how to hold a relationship. We expect to know how to hold a healthy, manage a healthy relationship and make it successful really from no guidance that we've seen and no education. Mm. So that's a great point that, you know, we often mimic how our parents have communicated and it's not always the healthiest or best example. (laughs) Well, no, definitely not. I know in my family that wasn't the best and I'm sure because my mum and dad did separate when I was young, their communication styles before that maybe weren't the best. So how about you? How about with your parents and their communication style? What was that like for you? Yeah, like my parents would bicker. They still do to this day, 50 odd years later. I think they continually bicker. I found that when I stepped into my very first relationship, I would overreact a bit like my dad because that's what I'd seen. Then the person I was with was really non-confrontational and wouldn't want confrontation at all. So they were very passive. Would they shut down or would they yeah, just I avoid? Think, I think they'd just not overreact. And I'd be like, oh, that's weird. They, shouldn't, <laughs> they should bicker back and overreact. <laughs> come <laughs> come and join me in my thing? argument. <laughs> I can't argue by myself. And then I realised what I was doing actually from a quite young age when, oh, my God, that's what my parent, like my dad does. I'd be like, oh, that's how he reacts. And when I wasn't getting that reaction back, it stopped me from doing it. That was really good. But then also I think we went polar opposite where we would not talk about things to avoid confrontation. 
because yeah. that was his style with his family, you know. Mm. Yeah, mm. and that's probably something very different with us because we actually will talk about the things that when we have a disagreement, we'll talk about it and if we there's conflict, we'll talk about what that conflict mm. was and how we felt and what was going on for us. And there's no subject we don't approach really, is it? Like we no. will talk about everything. I, I don't have a fear of conflict with you at all. Mm. How interesting. And I'll bring it up. So we never actually bicker, do we? No. No, we just talk about what's going on for us. Sometimes you just want to keep on talking and talking and it goes on and on. <laughs> you're very aware that you're very aware that too you occasionally will shut down. Mm, yeah. And so you're very mindful of not doing that. Yeah, I try because not we to do shut have disagreements. Oh, so course. that's only normal. Everyone, every, you know, I think everyone has disagreements. It's how you deal with them, isn't yeah, it? How you argue, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, and that's a diff, you have different mm. ways of arguing. There's another different style, mm. isn't it? Some people's way of arguing is to shut down, and avoid it. Some people is to confront it. I think in the past I would confront it, mm. or if it was too much, then I would just run away or avoid it. So now I'm learning, especially with you, that we can have a conversation, we can disagree. There can be conflict in the conversation without it being a make or break. Yes. You're not going to disagree with me and then be like, right, it's over and run. And that's a fear for me is that, you mm. know, you might disagree and then you might just be like, oh, it's over. I can't mm. deal with this anymore. And I think that was from this very overreactive mother of mine who would take every argument into you don't love me anymore and why do I need to be here and blah, blah, blah. And this whole just drama about it rather than, oh, okay, you don't agree. Fair enough. That's okay. Mm. <laughs> we don't have to agree. Yeah. And that's something I'm probably learning with my children at And it the doesn't moment. mean you don't love each other. No. You, it, you know, you still love each other. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, there's healthy ways, isn't there? And I think it's finding, again, that middle ground. And if you can see yourself in any of these scenarios where you're so different mm. in these ways, then, again, it's something you need to sit down and talk about. And talk about those differences and say, hey, look, can we actually have a conversation about how we're different. And in that conversation, we don't want to make the other person wrong. We want to be able to learn how to accept that we are always going to have differences. You know, when two people meet, it's not just the people, it's their belief systems, it's their values, it's we're joining together a whole lot of stuff. So we want to have the best chance for this relationship to succeed is to go, well, it's not that you're wrong or I'm right. It's this is how I think. How do you think? And then work towards resolving that together. Always go in with an open mind. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, these sort of conversations can bring up conflict because you're like, oh, oh, this is a really hard conversation. Mm. But managing that conflict is a part of having a healthy relationship because if, like you said before, if you just don't talk about it and suppress it and avoid it, it just festers underneath there. It, it, it does uh, damage to the relationship. Yeah, to avoid conflict is also a big problem. Nothing yeah. gets resolved. And everyone's got their own perception and their own reality in that sense and you've got to be able to validate each other's realities. Mm. You've got to be able to say, yep, okay, I might not agree with you but from your perspective, from your point of view, it makes sense to me that you're feeling like this. Because you grew up and this was your experience, I understand that's how it's going to be for you. And these conversations might trigger you, might bring stuff up for you. I think it's always important to tell your partner if you feel triggered. Mm, yes. Rather than sit there agitated, angry and upset. Mm, trying to suppress it. Oh, I don't want to get angry Just here. take your breath and go, actually, what you said is making me feel really triggered because it's bringing up something for me. From it might be a past relationship, it might be as a kid, 
Mm. When you felt judged or you felt criticised or you felt bullied. Or powerless or alone. Now this trigger's come up and in that conversation about, oh, when we're talking about this, this came up for me, that other person gets to understand you better. That Rather than going like, oh, that's weird why they're acting like this, it's like, oh, you act like this because of this reason and now I can empathise with that. I can also probably be a little bit more understanding and help you with You'll that. You'll see a different side of your partner and there's a healing in you telling your partner the story behind the trigger. Yeah, because you might have held on to that story forever or you might not realise and there's an awareness in that when something comes up for you to go, oh, what's that? Yeah. Oh, okay. It comes from that. It comes from a feeling and to recognise where's that feeling coming from and, you know, what's, what's that story? What's it attached yeah. to? I challenge you to give that a shot next time you have a disagreement. Or an argument. Mm. Sit there with it. And I like the idea of having a breath, like both of you taking a deep breath and saying, all right, let's just both take a deep breath. Let's have this conversation. And this, because this is about our differences, but it's not about making our differences wrong, Mm. but understanding them. And it could be that, you know, you go, okay, let's have this conversation when we're out, go into a park, sit down and talk where there's, it's in a sense, it's common ground. Mm. and be able to have these conversations away from people. So if there is conflict, then you feel like you can talk about it without feeling embarrassed or like you have to, oh, we've got to watch what we say because there are people around. And this is where conflict can actually draw you closer and repair rather than pull you apart and wreck the relationship. Yeah, and if you can use conflict as a way to understand each other, then your relationship is going to be so much stronger. I think that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. Chat with you next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and follow us. And check out our website at rekindlingrelationships.com. Bye for now. See ya. Now the world don't move to the beat of just one drum. What might be right for you may not be right for some.